we've got two points this evening. Uh, first one is the prophets forewarned of judgment. And the second one is the prophets foretold of Jesus. Um, so we're going to look at those two together. Um, but we just need to ca- uh, come up to speed with where we're at with our promise that God gave to Abraham. Because that was uh, because the people had been thrown out of Eden um, and they were without God's place and blessing, not living under his rule. God promised to Abraham that through his descendants, they would, uh, he would bring them uh, people for himself who would live under his rule. And then we got to the edge of the land with Joshua, uh, with Moses, but then he, uh, Joshua was the one going into the land. And we saw that the land that they got to have, that God gave them, was good. It was very good. And then after a bit of time, there were some kings, and they were very good. David and his son, Solomon, they were good kings. And during that time, during their lifetime, um, they enjoyed the blessing of living under God's rule in God's place. Um, it didn't last long. And wh- why didn't it last long? Well, because David and even Solomon died. God was showing that those things were temporary because it wasn't the, the fulfillment of the kingdom. It was just the preview. And that's what we looked at last week. And um, so that's where we've got to in our Bible timeline. Uh, God's people are not, no longer in the place or they're just about to be taken from the land that God has given them. And that's where we get the prophets. So that's whereabouts we're sitting in our Bible timeline. Uh, and they're sort of, you'll see in a moment, but they're sort of um, from uh, Amos and Hosea, sorry, Amos comes later, uh, from Isaiah, which is the major prophets. They kind of put them in order of the major prophets and then the minor prophets come after that. Um, so from Isaiah through to the end of the Old Testament is what we're going to be talking about today. Because in the, after the kings that God has sent, there is a spiritual decline in Israel. And that's the downwards arrow. arrow you know, you can see what that represents. Um, I'll tell you about the red arrows in just a moment. Uh, the red line, sorry. Um, but during this time, God gracious, graciously sent his prophets. And they're the little, the little dots on there. You'll see them come up in a moment. Why did he send his prophets? To warn them. To warn the people of breaking God's covenant and the imminent judgment that he was bringing on them if they did not repent. And so we read one such example of that in Amos chapter 3. The lion has roared, who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken, who can but prophesy? And he sent these prophets to warn at every stage along the way. Um, you, you do this with children, don't you? Sort of, um, has anyone got children here? No? No one's got children. Some people have children. Great. We do this with children, don't we? We say, we give them a warning. We give them another warning. We might even, if it's a good day, give them a third warning. But what happens after the third warning? Exactly the thing that you've been warning them about happens. Because that's discipline, isn't it? And that's, that's godliness, actually. And um, so what we have here is um, in the northern kingdom, because remember, by this point, the kingdom had been divided uh, between the north and the south. In the northern kingdom, we have these two prophets, Amos and Hosea, um, warning them, repent. There's a judgment that's coming on you because you've broken the covenant. Um, you don't want to face that return to the Lord. 
and they didn't listen. And then you get the other prophets, which are in the southern kingdom. So they're just in a slightly different color. I don't know if you can see that. Um, and then uh, I'll tell you about the red lines, okay? The red lines are... Sorry, let me get to that in a second. But what was the job of the prophets? It was to warn the people of the judgment that was coming. And uh, there's an example of this. Uh, quite early on, you get Moses, who was going to go, uh, go to Pharaoh... But Moses was slow of speech, he stammered, and God sent Aaron with him to be able to speak on his behalf. And what was Aaron's job? It was to speak the words that Moses gave him to speak. So Aaron's job was not to innovate or to come up with a new message or new revelation from God. It was simply to pass on the words of Moses. So what we get with all of the prophets, even these prophets here, is that... Their jobs were simply to impress upon the people the the same covenant, the same law that Moses had given, and the consequences of breaking that covenant. So their message wasn't like so much a new message. It was taking the old message and saying to this people here, as you are going away from God, this is the covenant. These are the curses of the covenant that are going to come upon you. So no new message particularly. Uh, We'll look at something in just a bit. But the red lines, um, just finish it off. Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, the the last ones to come. They actually came um, after this line here. You'll see that in a minute. But what are the red lines? Can anyone tell me? So what happened? Exile. Exile. Okay. And what did that involve? People being moved from their place to some other place. Taken off, okay. And by, by an invasion, right? By Israel being invaded by neighbouring countries. And one was called Assyria, and the other one was called Babylon. So why you got two, two lines? Because one happened in the north, that happened first, and the second one happened in the south, which was Babylon. Actually, there's kind of two dates for that. Um, but this is exactly what God had said would happen. And he sends sends the prophets to warn. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to guess what? It happened in the south. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Guess what? It happened. So the prophets forewarned of judgment. And there are two notable omissions to this, by the way, in terms of prophets. You came up with a few of them, Uh, but Elijah and Elisha were big prophets um, before this time. But they actually went pretty much confronted the kings themselves. Because there are bad kings in, in two, two kings. You can re- read about some of the bad kings in Israel. And uh, they're, 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 um, lots about them as well. But where are we then? If the people... This is what happened, by the way. Let me show you. Um, you can go to the British Museum and you can actually look at this. Or you can't touch it. They'll throw you out for that. Um, I'm not speaking from example, but um, they will. Um, that is a massive wall carving which is from at the time of the Assyrians, and it's called the Siege of Lachish. And not Lachish, but Lachish. Um, and, and these guys were experts in siege warfare. So these are the guys, remember that, that first line, who sieged Israel in the north. And uh, these are some of the things that happened. They were experts at doing it. So they, they had big beards, that didn't help them. Uh, but big, big balls, and they obviously pounded the, um, the, the walls with and then 
uh, siege, like warfare, kind of um, some ramparts, that kind of thing. Um, and this is what happened. Every single Israelite, man, woman, child, was either killed by the sword or they were carted off, as Kenny said, to that place, to Syria. Exactly what God has said was coming. His judgment. Remember, this is not just God warning them that this is going to happen. He's saying, when you, this happens, you will know that this is my judgment on you. And so that's why he gave the prophets. And you think, actually, it's incredibly kind and gracious of God to do that, isn't it? He, he never brings a judgment unless he forewarns about it. He tells us that his judgment is coming. And we're going to think about that in terms of um, today. <laughs> what that means for those of us who, who aren't safe from the judgment that is coming. And we're going to think about that too. Um, but just like the father, he warns, he warns, he warns. And then what he's warned them about that would happen actually does happen. And you can go and see it for yourself in the British Museum. You can go and see those carvings um, in one of the rooms there. God's warnings of judgment are real because because God's judgment is real. His warnings of judgment are real because his judgment is real. He's not not bluffing. He's not saying this is going to happen when really it's not going to happen just to scare us. No, he's not bluffing. It's great to see his warnings as his kindness. His judgment only and always comes with repeated warnings. And the line shows that, doesn't it? The pages of our Bible show that this is chapter after chapter. After. These, are, these are the words. The prophets stood there and regardless of the flack they were going to get for it, they said, look, you've got to hear this. You've got to hear this. No, you've really got to hear this. And then God's judgment came. So he's incredibly kind to warn of that. And God has warned us too of his final judgment. And we'll be thinking about that too. We won't be able to accuse God of wrongdoing or being sly, underhand. Everything is out in the open with him. Because God did what he said he would do then, God's judgment arrived with those two nations I described. We can be sure that he will judge all people at the coming of Jesus when he returns. But, and this is a wonderful thing, isn't it? Prophets didn't just speak of the terrible judgment for sin. They also speckled amongst this lengthy forecast that they're, and frightening scenes that they're describing are some glimpses that this will not be the end for God's people. God will one day re- restore them to his faith, to live under his rule and king forever. After all, that was his promise to Abraham, and we know what God is like at keeping his promises. He will do it. So let's have a look at that. Um, this is my attempt to turning that um, exclamation mark upside down to be a person but don't judge me for that okay um, the prophets foretold of Jesus so we get these glimpses and I'm just going to show you a few of them this evening because there's plenty actually foretold by the prophets that identify the Messiah the Christ the one the anointed king that God would bring about um, to rescue his people there's details like you probably heard them at Christmas time. He will be born in Bethlehem, born of a virgin. We sing about them, don't we? They're from the prophets. Isaiah chapter 7, Isaiah chapter 9. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, 
mighty God, these kind of promises. Details about the Messiah and what it would be like and where we, even where he would be born. But we're just going to look at one description in Isaiah 53. And I think it, it ties in really with the, the judgment that we've seen that the prophets were forewarning about. And we're going to look at Isaiah 53. So if you could turn there. Thank you. 6, 13. Right. Um, we'll, start, we'll read a bit of chapter 52, partly because we're going to sing it at the end of the service. So we might as well read it first. You can see the title, Lord's, The Lord's Coming Salvation. Awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For there shall no more come into you the uncircumcised and the unclean. Shake yourself from the dust and arise. Be seated, O Jerusalem. Loose the bonds, that's the bonds of slavery, from your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. And then later on, um, we're going to look at mainly verse 13 um, into chapter 53. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be lifted high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. That which has not been told them, they see. And that which they have not heard, they understand. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that is before his shearers, silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the, ha- the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and made us intercession for the transgressors. 
So why um, can Israel, Zion, awake Jerusalem, the holy city, why can they um, shake off their dust, lose the bonds of their slavery? It's because there is going to be a suffering servant. One who, one, he, who will lay down his life and bear on himself the crushing weight of God's wrath. That's what the prophets speak of. They speak of this suffering servant. And there's none better chapter to look at than Isaiah 53. You sort of think, you look at that and you think, are we reading a gospel here? (laughs) Are we reading the account of the cross? Well, we are. Because this is the one that they spoke about. And so this glimpse, this glimpse of what God's going to do to restore, to redeem people for himself. People that had gone off, gone far off from him. Gone off into exile, he would bring back. Um, But there's there's more encouragement, um, even more than that. Um, If you look at this, this is the... um, This is continuing the timeline. And you can see there's the jump from... Where they got to, to to up there, New Testament, um, in terms of what God, well, not in terms of what God was doing, but in terms of um, the hope that they had fulfilled. Um, and then here we get these kind of promises in the prophets. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when it shall no longer be said, as the Lord lives, who brought up the people out of the land of Egypt. But as the Lord lives, he brought up the people of Israel out of the north country and out of all the country where he had driven them. For I will bring them back to their own land that I gave their fathers. That's from Jeremiah chapter 16. Um, Another one. It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations. That my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. It's too small a thing to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you a light for the nations. My salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. It's amazing, isn't it? God's saying, I I, I can bring you back, I will bring you back, but I'm going to do even more than that. In bringing you back, I'm going to bring in the nations to be mine, to be my people. Not just the Israelites, but the Dagonamites, the Londoners. It's amazing, isn't it? God is saying, this is what I am going to do. I'm going to make a light so that my salvation would be for all nations. It would reach the ends of the earth. What does this mean for us? Well, then, if you just turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. And if someone comes out, I'll pay some of that. That'd be great. It's 1014. Someone else want to read that? Verses 10 to 12. Someone who's got a loud voice. Go for it, Sam. Uh, Chapter 1 of 1 Peter, verses 10 to 12. 
concerning his salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicated when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. So what does this mean for people today? (laughs) What good does it do us in Dagenham? Well, the prophets did not see. um, it It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you. So the wonderful things that they had saw in part have now been fulfilled and seen in full in Jesus. And now the same things are being proclaimed through that good news. <laughs> that there is uh, the bad news, that judgment is coming, but there is a way to be safe from it. There is one who would lay down his life, take on himself the punishment for sin, which would uh, be the safety that we would need from God's coming judgment. And that's what he says, uh, one, uh, Peter says, um, has been announced to you through those who preach the good news, uh, the gospel. And so this is, this is for us today. This is for anyone who is living um, in the wake, really, of God's coming judgment. The good news that Jesus himself has fulfilled what the prophets spoke about. Um, we'll look, just one other place. I don't know if it's on here, actually. Matthew 13, verse 17. Um, just so you can see that, that Jesus himself um, says that this is what, who he is. Um, Matthew 13, verse 17. We'll read from verse 16. He's talking to the... Um, Disciples here, um, they've asked him about a parable, the parable of the sower, and asked him for an understanding or an explanation. He, he says that, um, that some will not see and not, not hear because it will be fulfilled what Isaiah said about them um, in that quote just above. But then in verse 16, he says to the disciples, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it. And to hear what you hear and did not hear it. What did they see? Who did they see? Him. (laughs) Jesus. What did they hear? His words. And Jesus is saying, all the prophets long to see this. They were reaching for it. They 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 were prophesying about it. They didn't know when it would come. But this is the wonderful thing that God has done um, in bringing the Lord Jesus Christ to us and showing us here today who he is. And it is a fulfillment of everything that he's promised um, before. Um, So what does this mean for us? Uh, For you, um, we can just remember those, that's the suffering servant. Um, The words about him, didn't know what he would look like, who he would be, but that's uh, the prophecy that was there. 
And what's this mean for us? Well, I'd like you to take away these two pictures, these two symbols in your mind. I don't know if you're visual. I am. It's easier for me to remember pictures, faces than names, you know, words on a page. So I want you to take away these two pictures. The first one is the warning sign. Because the prophets forewarned of judgment. And if it happened then, as God said it would, then it will happen when Jesus returns. He will judge all sinners and pay for sin. He'll punish sin. And there will be eternal judgment to face. So there's a warning. God's not bluffing. He's, he's proved it before. Each time he's given the warnings, it has happened. So don't, don't think he's bluffing. If you're not a Christian, turn to Christ. He is the safety you need. He is the one who has, uh, can take on himself and has taken on himself uh, the iniquity of us all. His wounds can heal you from being an enemy of God, facing his judgment. I think actually there seems to be a modern trend actually that um, everything that sounds like uh, someone saying this has got to be avoided or, or, or it sounds negative, it's seen as scaremongering, isn't it? And there is a foolishness though in ignoring a warning sign, especially if it turns out to be real. There are some things to fear. Can't just sit back and say everything's scaremongering. There is something to fear, and that's the Almighty God. Jesus himself says it. He says, don't fear the ones who can um, kill you, but fear the one who, after he has taken your life, can throw you into hell. (laughs) Jesus himself says that. God does not lie. The judgment that was spoken of here happened just as God said it would, and we would do well to listen to Jesus who warns us of hell. And maybe you've been in church, um, and this sort of... We can start to think that there's sort of some divide between the Old Testament and the New Testament. That the God of the Old Testament is this grumpy, angry person who's going to punish you. And the God of the New Testament is sort of never going to do that. But this is, that's not true, is it? Because the prophets foretold of Jesus. And Jesus said, the prophets spoke of me. So none of them are doing that. They're saying that it's the same God. The same God that we are going to have to face. And this is the way to be safe with him. Um, So maybe if you've been around churches where Jesus is more of a kind of moral support or a moral teacher or someone who's just going to show us how to live. But he's never a saviour. He's never the one who stands in the gap and says, I take on myself the punishment for sin. If If you've never seen him like that, you haven't understood him. According to the prophets, that's not who he is. He's the one who would be crushed for our iniquity. Punishment of us all, the iniquity of us all would be laid on him. That's who Jesus is. If you're a Christian, um, Jesus has, we've sang about it, didn't we? Where's that, where's that song? Sorry, Sam, I'm licking your nose. If you're a Christian, um, you are someone who Jesus has wonderfully kept you safe from the eternal coming judgment by taking your punishment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Of all people, Christians are those who have come to see how dangerous sin is and how serious it is. Because it's not a small thing if Jesus had to die. If it took the death of Jesus to pay for sin, it's not small, is it? 
So it doesn't seem to follow that a Christian can be persisting in sin and not particularly bothered. I don't think it follows that you get Christians who are persisting in the sin, yes, but not bothered about it. Not, not like attacking their sin and going for their sin because it doesn't follow, does it? If they know how serious sin is and what it took, Jesus dying on the cross, it's, it's not to be messed with. Um, the prophets also show us um, that in our conversation with others, we must induct the topic of God's judgment. I was thinking about it, even in preparing the sermon, I was thinking, um, oh, you know, I think hearing the voices of other people would say, oh, do we always have to talk about God's judgment? Do we always have to sort of mention it? But actually, Jesus talks about God's judgment. It's important for us to know about it and to see what he does to save us from judgment. And it isn't really loving or kind to, to just feel awkward and not to talk about it. Um, that isn't loving and it's not kind. In the long term, it's not. Um, it doesn't even present the real Jesus to them because it diverges from the way the prophets speak about him and what he himself says about what he came to do. So we have to do the two. <laughs> we have to say judgment. God's judgment is real. The warning of judgment is real because his judgment is real. There is safety, but only in Jesus. Come to him. He was the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. Will you come to him? The danger is just to, you just want to go for the second bit, don't you? But they're not going to understand the second bit until they understand the first. Um, I want to read this to finish. Um, I just was struck by it as we were singing it. Um, Let me read uh, to you the words of the song we sang earlier. And I'll pray. I once was lost in darkest night, yet thought I knew the way. The sin that promised joy and life had led me to the grave. I had no, no hope that you would own a rebel to your will. And if you had not loved me first, I would refuse you still. But as I ran my hell-bound race, indifferent to the cost, you looked upon my helpless state and led me to the cross. And I beheld God's love displayed. You suffered in my place. You bore the wrath reserved for me. Now all I know is grace. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for speaking your word uh, through the prophets. Thank you that we have it here for us. We have the record of your gracious, patient, true warnings uh, that came to be fulfilled. What was warned of was, was just as bad as you said it would be. So we thank you that in your kindness you are warning us. Uh, of the judgment that is coming when Jesus returns. But thank you that he is also the one, uh, not just who will bring that judgment, but who took that judgment on himself uh, for us. Thank you. We pray that you would help us to ponder these things from your word, that um, this message, this, this one message of judgment and Jesus, would be something that we would hold out to a world that is heading for hell. We pray we wouldn't um, get uh, doubtful or like fear what people think. We pray that we would be willing to and loving as you are um, to hold out that message to those who need to hear it. 
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.